Beer with Buffy is a retro analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us on patreon.com slash beerwithbuffy. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. I was told you were coming. The big bad is back. This time... I'm not sure I'm getting the clearance to come into the initiative. I've been thinking about the world. Jeez. Like vampires. Take a stand and take a night. Fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Uh, the ice cream bar is this one. Morning, Rex. Morning, Josh. Welcome to Beer with Buffy. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. And today on Beer with Jonathan, we're reviewing Season 4, Episode 17 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, entitled Superstar. In which nothing out of the ordinary really happens. Kind of a boring episode, honestly. Yeah. But, you know, we'll get to that. Everybody throw a little pity Rex's way. He's got a shitty fucked up back today. Yeah. I, on the other hand, I'm feeling great. I've been getting a lot of exercise at work. Good for fucking you. Yeah, I think climbing (laughs) stairs is actually really good for your back. It is. And also has shown me just how horribly out of shape I was. Even though I felt like I was in fairly decent shape. You are, though. Yeah, I'm. that's... Very horribly out of shape. <laughs> I can see it. I don't like reality, Rex. <laughs> None of us do. I don't know if you could tell. <laughs> well, I'm sure Jeff Bezos does. I don't know who that is. He owns Amazon. Oh, weird. He's the richest man in the world. Richer than Zuckerberg? Yeah. Weird. By a lot. Huh. <laughs> well... That doesn't matter to me. I am pre-lubed up with coconut oil, and I am ready to slip and slide all up in this biatch. (laughs) But first, voicemails. Yeah. Welcome to River Crystal Sam's Messages. (laughs) After River Crystal Sam's Messages, we'll be right back. Don't sue me, Nickelodeon. Please, God. It wasn't Nickelodeon. It was ABC, I think. Or whoever the fuck did that. So we've got three voicemails for you today. We're going to try and keep it short and sweet. And this first one I am making Rex listen to for the first time on the air, something we've never quite done before with this segment. So here it goes. I've been meaning to call you guys to tell you that I recently received a heat-sensitive Buffy mug for a Christmas present, and it is the awesomest thing. There's a picture of Buffy on the mug, and then you pour your hot liquid into the mug, and slowly behind her, out of the shadows, appears the broodiest angel you have ever witnessed in your life. It is seriously the most broody angel that you have ever seen. You must experience this. You can find them on Amazon. You must get one and watch this happen. Keep up the podcast. So, yeah. I do, in fact, collect... Random mugs. Um. So th- thank you, random caller, who didn't give us your name. We respect your privacy, but we also don't know what to call you. So I'm going to call you Broody Angel Heat Sensitive Mug Girl <laughs> person because we don't assume genders here at Beer with Buffy, <laughs> which is how this segment got its triple named. Right. <laughs> also, fuck you, Fred. Yeah, Fred. <laughs> Give all of you been, Fred? We've given your segment away like three times now. It's amazing. Anyway, I wanted that to be a surprise because I totally just ordered one. Oh, fucking sweet. And we're going to get to see it next week, hopefully. 
Fucking sweet. I was going to order two, but they're like $14. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm not getting two. <laughs> not until we see and confirm its awesomeness. So right. thank you very much for pointing that out. Um, we should share the link on Twitter. Yeah, we're totally going to do that. Um, and we're totally going to get one of those mugs. Thank you. Speaking of buying mugs, we totally have a Beer with Buffy mug available on store.beerwithbuffy.com. We do. That you can totally slap our logo on and then drink coffee out of it to brag to all your friends about that cool podcast that you listen to with those two really super cool guys named Josh and Rex. Yes. Who are not losery at all in any way. Only a little bit. And not not at all ashamed <laughs> of having a podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. No, I'm not ashamed at all. Neither am I. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Rex. You mentioned it. And the answer is yes. <laughs> so on to message number two. Message number two. Hey, Rex. Hey, Josh. I had a bunch of responses for the last time y'all answered my fucking street-hard Tolkien-esque voicemail. But uh, I, I, I did, if it's going to be my voicemail segment, I feel like that's a huge responsibility. And for a hot second, I was like, I should take notes when I listen to the podcast. But considering I usually drive and listen to your podcast, that hasn't worked out scheduling-wise. But I thought it would be really funny if I took notes sober and then read them drunk, because that'd be funny. Maybe. I don't know. So I'm listening to um, the the podcast for this year's girl, and you guys are wondering, is there a fan theory for why Faith was this figure of prophecy for Dawn in Buffy's dream? So I've got like a two-pronged kind of uh, fan theory for it uh, myself, and it's if you if you go back to season one, there's this whole thing about Buffy being connected to the master because she killed him, and that that established there was this connection because she killed him. Well, Buffy damn near killed Faith, put her in a friggin' coma, right? So there's that connection. Okay, plus they're slayers. They were both active at the same time. I'm sure there's a connection there. And then why is Faith this prophetic figure? Why does she know that little sis is coming, right? Faith is living in the subconscious realm while she's in a coma. And this whole time, you guys think the monks are getting ready to make Dawn this this key, this ball of energy, um, into a person to hide her. And they have to fuck with everybody's memories well who's to say that they didn't start rearranging buffy's memories but faith was starting to to feel some of that in her connection with buffy while she was in the subconscious realm hi river yeah i'm uh i'm just gonna call you river from here on out that's what you wanted to be called that's what i'm gonna call you i think you should take notes while driving <laughs> and drinking oh wait no that defeats the purpose of yeah. Taking the notes sober and then reading them while you're drunk. We do not actually encourage you to take notes while driving. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, yeah, somebody could actually can misconstrue that as actual advice and then sue us for damages. Uh, so that's that's not what's going on at all. Yeah, I uh, I gotta say I like your headcanon. Yeah, I so I actually looked up the foreshadowing, you know, revolving around that. And what I did not realize, and I don't know how I had forgotten this, it was actually 
a duplicate dream of a dream that Buffy had back when she was dealing with Faith. She had a dream that her and Faith were making that fucking bed. Something was said in that dream that hinted at the foreshadowing. And then it was foreshadowed again in a dream that was almost identical. Neat. I honestly wonder if maybe the whole idea for Dawn was born of the randomness of them trying to come up with gobbledygook, seemingly cryptic nonsense for those dreams. And they ran with one of the ideas that popped out. I don't know. I think with how some of the episodes go, I think they've always had the idea of having something drastically change in the fundamental nature of the show out of the blue. That's subversion. Oi. Yeah. Thank you for your opinion, River. And uh, so, yeah, let's move on to the next voicemail. Hi, Rex. Hi, Josh. So I was listening to an episode and you guys were wondering if you have any younger listeners. I don't know how young you were hoping for, but I can tell you that when Buffy first aired on TV, I wasn't born yet. So I don't know. Hope I'm young enough for you, but I still love your podcast. Bye. Fascinating. I'm thinking about this and like, if we assume that you're old enough to drink, which you might not be. (laughs) well let's do some quick math so at the very oldest if she wasn't born when buffy the vampire slayer started which was 98 i thought it was 97 pretty sure which was 97 so let's say she was born in 97 she would be 23 yeah so very feasibly old enough to drink yeah cool she could have been born anytime between 97 and 99 to be old enough to drink neat not that someone has to be old enough to drink to listen to our podcast certainly not yeah i don't remember what episode that was uh nor the context surrounding it so i'm just gonna be as vague as possible so (laughs) as not to be a creeper here um you're welcome young listener and thank you for your patronage yes do keep listening pretty please (laughs) (laughs) on to the mom synopsis i think Joshua! What are you doing, Joshua? Well, uh, you know, being, uh, not clever and, uh, or, or witty either, really. Well, certainly nowhere near as witty as Jonathan. Well, no one's as witty as Jonathan. Why would you even say that, Mom? You're right, and I was wrong to imply anything else. So, uh... Are you voting for Jonathan in November? (laughs) Not that it's any of your business, Joshua, but of fucking course I'm voting for Jonathan this fall. Me too. Me too. Just checking. I, uh, (laughs) I just wanted to make sure we didn't have to remove you or something. Remove me? What the hell is that supposed to mean? So today on Buffy the Vampire Slayer... Um, you know, I've never been able to figure out why they don't call it Jonathan the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. I mean, technically, Buffy is the Slayer. Yeah. But obviously, Jonathan's always been the star of the show, and he's the one who really gets shit done. He's the driving force behind everything that really happens well, in this show. Yeah. I mean, all right, but I'm going to get back to that later. This is just the synopsis. Come on, Joshua. Why is Jonathan being such a whelp? He's never been like this before. I don't understand the ending of this episode. Yeah, I, you know, I think none of us ever really will, Mom, because he's not like that. He never was. 
I, I don't get it either. And it's not just because you didn't watch most of the episode and then walk in halfway through again. All right, just making sure. I certainly can't wait to have President Jonathan in office. <laughs> good, good. Me too. Everybody else. We're all on the same page, definitely. So Buffy and Xander and Willow and Anya are out patrolling together. They're helping Buffy because, you know, she's a slayer, but she's not that great of a slayer. And they, they toss her a stake. I really liked the, the whipping sounds that it made. Anyway, they find a nest of vampires and it's too many. It's like five fucking vampires and Buffy needs help. So what do they do? Duh. They pull out the big guns. They go yeah. to Jonathan for help. And so Jonathan comes over, he helps them out, he makes a plan, he's fast, he's decisive, he's effective. They storm the castle, he manages to take them all out very quickly. Buffy kind of helped. A little bit. They have a quick run-in with Spike, Jonathan scares him off, and then we see Buffy chatting with Riley. He's feeling better. I mean, he's no Jonathan, but he's definitely, he's on the mend. And But their relationship has taken a bit of a toll. Luckily, Jonathan is there to give Buffy some advice on how to handle the situation. He's also, you know, because the initiative occasionally has to call in people who are just better than them to help them out. They need him to help find Adam. So he's also available to give Riley advice on his relationship with Buffy. And he is just all there for them. He's all in. He's the best friend they could possibly have. Frankly, way better than Willow or Xander or Giles, especially Giles. So Jonathan shows up at the bronze and he decides to sing a nice little song for Buffy and Riley. And while that's happening, some shit goes down at his mansion. And this girl, whom we know as Karen with a K, because he gave her an autograph in a copy of his book for free. Not a lot of authors do that. And outside of his mansion, she's stalking him with binoculars and gets attacked by this monster, runs off, and finds Jonathan at the bronze where he immediately cuts off the band and takes her back to his mansion and tries to get everything sorted out. She saw this symbol on the monster and he immediately recognizes the symbol as not a threat at all. And since he's very trustworthy... We all take it at his word that he's going to take care of it or that this monster is not a threat at all. Either or both, really. Buffy, of course, doesn't trust him because she's not the greatest slayer. No, definitely not. She goes back to the Scooby gang and gets them all to turn against Jonathan. And we spend really the rest of the episode of the Scooby gang against Jonathan trying to fight off this monster. And then they kill the monster and we careen into this alternate reality where Jonathan's actually a poorly dressed loser. And I don't know if they're trying to steer the entire series in this direction or it didn't say to be continued or anything, but that's how they ended the episode. Yeah, very weird. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 Cold open. Cold open in the graveyard where the Scooby gang is on the hunt, fighting a couple of vampires. They dust one, but the other one runs off. Yeah, the Foley when Xander throws Buffy a (laughs) stake is hilarious. Did you catch it? I did. Like, that shit is way too thick to make that kind of a high-pitched whipping noise. Yeah. I I almost wrote down... (laughs) Like, you can only make that noise with, like, a stick when you whip it through the air, which is not at all like... 
a piece of wood being whipped through the air at but okay never mind <laughs> but no if you have, if you recall being a child and being outside and having nothing to do because it was the 80s um and you whip a stick around you find quickly that the thinner sticks make a sound and the thicker sticks make a sound yeah so we shouldn't have a, a stake the size of a novelty pencil <laughs> making... It really is the size of a novelty pencil. <laughs> yeah, making the sound. But it does. So whatever. Yeah. So the other vampire runs off and... This first vampire was fucking squirrely. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow Xander and Anya jostling him vigorously like there was a candy bar stuck in him that they paid good money for was just enough to subdue him long enough for Buffy to fight off another vampire. I bet it was a chocolate hurricane. I mean, those things are hard to come by these days. I'm going to give you a chocolate hurricane. (laughs) Oh, that's a nice pullback to season one. Thank you. Yeah, we have an episode named Chocolate Hurricane. Yes. You're welcome. If you haven't listened to it, I'm not actually sure that I can recommend that you go back and listen (laughs) to it. I'm a little scared, honestly. I mean, much like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, our season one leaves a little bit to be desired. It's a bit rough. (laughs) A little bit. Rough. We we were still learning how to do this. Not that we know how to do this now. (laughs) So they run off to the crypt to find this vampire and they stumble upon an orgy of death. You know, some people might call it a buffet. Or a big bumpy bunny fuck. (laughs) I don't know. Because that's what Xander called the... Bolted like a... Big bumpy bunny. Yeah. Yeah. Bolted like a big bump... Big bump... Fuck! (laughs) Bolted like a big bumpy bunny. Picked. I can't do that one. A pack of bumpy bunny (laughs) bumpers. Rubber baby... Rubber baby bubby... Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Fuck. Eh. I'm not even going to try. But yeah, obviously five vamps, way, way too much for the Scoobies to handle. Seriously, I'm surprised that they kept their calm as well as they did. Yeah. They were making the worst sucking sounds. That alone would have made me go like, I need to get out of here. (laughs) Things that make you go... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yep, they were all getting a piece of the old dead man's pie. But they know what to do. They got to call out the big guns. Like you do. Yeah. It's the only way to handle a, a nest this size. The Scooby Doobies run right on over to... Who do you think it is? Jonathan, of course. Jonathan! And we haven't seen him for a while. Yeah. I was just saying earlier this season, where's Jonathan? We need more Jonathan. And you were so apt to remind me that he got his own spinoff and fucked off because he was the best fucking character on the show. I don't even know why we chose Buffy the Vampire Slayer to review, frankly. Well, we had to start with where he came from. He he didn't start in his own show. Yeah, we really just wanted it for the Jonathan origin story. So we're going to get over to the, the spinoff, Jonathan, probably about when we're done with yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. All right, so... Opening credits. Yeah, opening credits where, you know, Jonathan is mostly prominent, as he should be. Uh, I, I think they kind of omitted him for a while because he wasn't on the show anymore, but right. they brought back the old opening sequence yeah. where we get to see lots of classic moments. I missed these episodes. <laughs> They're so classic. Like, I, 
the he's very Bond-esque. He's he's so Bondy. God damn it, Rex! Don't you see how Bondy he is? <laughs> so fucking don't even know how Bondy. <laughs> damn it, Buffy. So we cut to Giles' house, or we come back from the opening sequence in Giles' house. Yep. And the Ruby Ruby Roos <laughs> are all working on their respective tasks. Uh, Xander's practicing his fast draw staking like a fucking nerd. Willow sits at her laptop well, on the couch. I mean, he has to practice. I mean, you're never, ever going to catch up to Jonathan. But... <laughs> Yeah, you, I mean, if he's lucky... You gotta aspire to something. Yeah, if he's lucky, he might be able to, I don't know, kill a deer or something someday. So, Anya's having trouble getting a milk carton open. Giles studiously reads. Buffy practices punching the air, because that's productive. Yeah. Jonathan has a pretty badass one-handed stake crossbow. Yeah. It, like, reloads itself. Yep. And... As per usual, he's really the center of the universe of the gang here. He just, he comes back in and he takes it all over because he's the king of any room he walks into. Well, yeah. He's beating Giles at chess again. <laughs> yeah. Rupert almost got him. He almost. almost. I'm rooting for Rupert one of these days. He's never going to happen. He, he never going to happen. He clearly doesn't have a chance. Ever. He's, I mean, what was he, a librarian? That doesn't mean he's good at, like strategy shit you know he's he's good at reading or something i don't know i'm not sure where the hell willow is like hacking into but she has fucking blueprints for the crypt why the fuck are there blueprints for the crypt yeah that's kind of impressive in its own right i mean not as impressive as jonathan who comes over and obviously within a moment well yeah finds a second entrance that was completely oblivious to willow it's not willow's fault no and it, like why the hell was she even hacking into the goddamn mainframe bullshit anyway why five minutes jonathan could have handled that and then he could have gone back to whatever he was doing you know but he wants them to feel included i guess he's so thoughtful like that uh at this point they're just fucking baggage though <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, they have to be able to take care of themselves. He has to go back to L.A. after this. Yeah, eh, fair. Because that's where he's he's so very bondy. <laughs> All by his lonesome. So, from here, we go to the crypt where the Scooby gang goes in through the door. Like, I don't know, cannon fodder, I guess? Basically, I... <sighs> well... See, and they could be confident about it because they knew that Jonathan was going to come busting through that ceiling window. Yeah. Which, I don't, yeah, I don't even know how you would read that kind of a thing on a blueprint. So it's a good thing that he knows his shit. Well, yeah. But hey, Buffy stakes two, and that ain't that bad. That's not that bad. That's That's pretty good, really. I mean, most people can't stake two vampires. She is the slayer. You know, she should be at least able to handle two. It's got to mean something, but there's no shame in being second best right. to the best, Yeah, which is Jonathan. Exactly. Unquestionably. I mean, we even get Harkins back to the first season and later in this episode about him crushing the master's bones. Yeah. And when Buffy gave him the, the class protector award. That's not for a bit, though. I know. I, did, but I just wanted to... It's a very nostalgic episode and lots of examples why he's the best right 
Obviously, Buffy's feeling a little bit down because she, she almost let one of the vamps get away. Uh-huh. But obviously, Jonathan fucking killed him with oh, his it, badass crossbow thing. Yeah, it's uh, one of my quotes of the day here. Anya's like, I mean, they weren't very well organized. If they had all rushed at Buffy, they could have killed her right away. Buffy replies, thanks, Anya. That won't keep me awake all night. Right. <laughs> Classic Buffy. Classic Anya. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, really great Anya episode. Oh, yeah. Also. not uh, It's it's a better Jonathan episode, but... It has to be a better Jonathan episode. Distant second, Anya. We haven't had him for fucking 16 goddamn episodes this season, so they have to like really hammer it in. They do. I, I'd have been upset if they didn't. Yeah. Dig this. Dig this. Sorry, you guys are Fire beheading. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Sunlight. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Cold water. Usual. Oh, yeah. I hit him. With what? A desk. So Jonathan calls out Spike on hiding in the bushes because he's got those super heightened senses well, yeah. like you do when you're just that fucking good. Like, Buffy needs supernatural powers to be as good as she is. Well, first, so they walk out of the crypt, and obviously fucking paparazzi's already goddamn there. Seriously, those guys fuck up everything, but yeah. he's really great about it. He is. Uh, but they're they're there, and he's still trying to console Buffy a little bit, because she's still feeling down that she almost let that vamp get away. And then she, which frankly she should feel bad about, but you yeah. know you can't beat yourself up about it forever. Uh, he overhears Spike in the bushes because he's a badass, and Spike comes out and got fucking nothing on quipping with Jonathan, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, Jonathan calls him out. And he's like, yeah, they mostly like to hang out all creepy and alone in the shadows. Don't you agree, Spike? And God, he just, he sounds so commanding. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm glad I've been, I've been working on that. Did I, did I get the guttural right? I can never really get it right. I can't, I can't do him justice. Well, no, but, uh, but I mean, Spike, Spike, since he's more squeaky and, you know, kind of fake, really a little bit, uh, vaudevillian, honestly. <laughs> I like that word actually, vaudevillian. It's a good word. Yeah. So <laughs> the Spike is... He's like, okay, the jig's up. And he steps out and he's like, well, well, the man himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that Buffy tries to quip here, but she's really just, uh, we've been dealing with this all fucking season. I think the writers are just bored with the character, honestly. I, something is fucking up. She's such a... She's really just starting to turn into, like, comedic relief. Right. But not even good comedic relief. Uh, Like, Harmony was smarter. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, obviously, she's got nothing as far as quips against Spike. Jonathan, however, just hands Spike his ass. Yeah, because Jonathan's like, what are you doing here? Spike's like, I live here. I wasn't exactly pining for a noisy visit from Wonder Jonathan and his fluffy battle kittens. <laughs> battle kittens. That's one of my quotes of the day, too. That's that's a good one. <laughs> so Buffy's dumbass line is, yeah, you think that went up with all the time you spend not being able to bite people? <laughs> Which, that's just kind of mean. Right. Like, it's not his fault that he can't bite people. 
But it is funny. It is. It's like erectile dysfunction. Uh, that's we had fun- jokes about that. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan wisely is like, careful. He's still pretty dangerous. Which, okay, like... I'm not actually sure what Jonathan's getting at here. How is he the least bit dangerous? Uh, especially when Jonathan's there. Right. <laughs> I mean, A, Jonathan's there. B, he can't, Spike can't fucking hurt anyone. Yeah, seriously. I guess he means that he's smart. And, you know, I mean, for he is one of the smarter villains we've seen oh, yeah. on this show. Especially for his age, he knows how to get with the times. And uh, <laughs> he keeps calling Buffy Betty. <laughs> she's like yeah it's buffy you big bleached stupid guy <laughs> but anyway jonathan calls him out on his shit i really can't do it justice yeah. uh, the the long and short of it is he's like back off spike or i'm gonna turn you into soup mix <laughs> and then we cut over to tara's room yeah where so willow's relaying the whole tale to tara this is the first like real moment in a while where we've we've had other moments with these two that felt like they're in a budding relationship. Yeah. But this is really the first moment that it truly feels like they're actually actively in a relationship. All the little moments we get with Tara and Willow in this episode feel like they're in a relationship. I I can see where you're getting that. Um I definitely got that later, and I'm sure you know exactly where I mean. Yeah, exactly. Without even saying it. I didn't get that out of this scene, but that doesn't mean it wasn't there, and I will take your word for it. Absolutely. But Tara's like, oh, come on, you have fun. Admit it. Living the Scooby life. And uh, ding, Geraint, that's you. You know the drill. I've lost track, so I hope you're writing these down. Um, You better be. Proper Scooby gang references. I want a spreadsheet. (laughs) All right. I don't know what we're paying you for, but it's not for this. But that doesn't mean I don't expect you to do it. Geraint. Are we paying him? No, I just said that. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. Don't worry. We're not spending money on it. Okay. All right. I don't know if you notice this, but we're broke. Yeah. I also, I have no idea how to translate dollars into euros. Right. We sure as fuck can't get a goddamn shirt over there. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. A quick side story. So after our last t-shirt contest, we sent out the t-shirt to the to the t-shirt winner who's English and lives in and lives in the UK. And the motherfuckers charged her money for it to get through customs, and then they sent it back to us anyway, and it's since been completely lost. We're still working on it. We're going to find a UK-based t-shirt company, and we're going to have it sent through them. Yeah. We're not welching on this damn t-shirt. It's just taking forever. (laughs) And when we get that sussed out, we'll do another t-shirt contest. Yeah. But we might have to uh, come up with some other long-term solutions, since apparently we have more fans not in the U.S. than we do in the U.S. They chat a little about Buffy missing... The vampire and feeling shitty about it and feeling shitty about Faith sleeping with Riley. It's always drama with Buffy. Well, and if Tara's concerned. She like she expresses genuine concern because she understands that Buffy would be somewhat kind of disturbed by those events. Yeah. Which is like, yeah. 
Uh huh. That's a pretty fucked up situation. It is, and she absolutely has every right to be upset about that. Yeah. Um, and Willow is being a very good friend to her. Not as good of a friend as Jonathan, which makes it completely appropriate right. that we pull the camera back and we see that Willow and Tara are making a, a nice collage of Jonathan. Yeah. Which isn't weird or unusual. That's or, par for the course. Or out of the norm at all in any way. So from there we cut to Riley's where Riley's trying to to emulate Jonathan and being all shirtless. Yeah, welcome to the bemusement park of Riley's crazy <laughs> nipple town. <laughs> the bemusement park. Get in line to ride Riley Mountain. Oh yes. There did you notice there's a poster on Riley's door harking back to that episode in season 2, the where, basketball episode? Oh where Jonathan yeah. kicked ass playing yeah. basketball. Exactly. I did notice that. And uh, that was a good callback. Yeah, I liked it. So nipple town. <laughs> but I mean, they're talking about the situation and not not the not the faith situation, really. Uh, not directly. No, not directly. Buffy is a little worried because the drugs that Riley was being fed, he's positive that the initiative stopped feeding them drugs, but he's not taking any chances and he's just not fucking touching any of their food, which good fucking thinking. That's pretty smart. I wouldn't be surprised if Jonathan told him that. <laughs> Seriously. And I love that he mentioned uh, just before that, because Buffy says, well, you must be feeling better. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a lot stronger. I'm no Jonathan, but I'm doing okay. Right. Which really shows his humility and his modesty, and I appreciate that. Right, and well, just awareness of, like, situational awareness, because, like, better to know where you are and how much further you have to go. Yeah, but Riley's off the drugs, and he's on the mend, so they're still looking for Adam, and uh, he says, regarding Adam, he says, I just, if they just put a little trust in me, I know I could get the job done. Buffy responds, I felt that way my entire life. Yeah, because there are a lot of moments where... Giles doesn't really trust Buffy a lot. Yeah. A lot, a lot. Which, I mean, I think she's really earned, for the most part, for the most part, her place. She's put fucking effort in. I mean, she's had to lean on Jonathan a a fuck ton. A lot. If he wasn't there, I question whether she'd have been able to pull through. So it's really, it's hard living in somebody else's shadow like that. She's fucking trying at the very least. Effort is important. Definitely. And I mean, how many, how many slayers have to contend with fucking Jonathan? I mean, none of the other slayers had a Jonathan to fucking work, to deal with. Like she's actually really lucky in that regard. That's probably why she's lived as long as she has. Eh, True. Didn't they say at some point that like most slayers die within like a year or so? I recall that statistic as well. And it was like the big fat guy from the council that said that or something. Something like that. Like most slayers don't make it past 18 or some shit like that. Yeah. But to wrap up the scene, Buffy sucks at playing toy basketball. Much to her bewilderment. I'm not sure why she's surprised. I'm not. I'm not either. She's like, yeah, you know, I guess you use different muscles to slay. And I'm like, well, duh. Yeah. So she she kind of freaks out because Riley wants to help her, but she's still feeling weird about the faith thing, I yeah. think. So she runs off. I'm dating. I, I'm having serious dating with a werewolf. And I'm studying witchcraft and, and killing vampires. It's like a drug. 
So cut to, I guess, coffee shop. It was a coffee shop. I didn't realize it was a coffee shop at first, but she's having coffee with somebody. She's making, like, adding sugar and cream and whatnot in a coffee. And lo and behold, it's Jonathan's coffee. <laughs> well, I was going to say she puts way too much sugar in her coffee. Was it Jonathan's coffee? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, she put the sugar and cream and handed it to him. Okay. Well, shit. Then it's not too much sugar if it was for Jonathan. He likes a lot of sugar in his coffee. Like I mean, me. his body's probably just able to process sugar better than most. Maybe. Well, also, I mean, to have the kind of cognitive and physical abilities that he has. And also, you know, that guy's banging at least six times a day. Right? At least. Buffy is asking Jonathan about what to do with the Riley situation and... Obviously, he's going to give really fucking sound advice. Yeah, she's... Well, she's like, Faith, she's a poisonous person, an acidic thing that burns through everything, or a bomb. Maybe she's a bomb. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Right. And I'm like, wow, you really hit the nail on the head, Buffy. (laughs) (laughs) But... It is obnoxious. While they're trying to fucking have a conversation, people keep walking up and asking for Jonathan's autograph. Look, if you see a fucking famous person sitting in a fucking coffee shop trying to have a fucking conversation, you leave them the hell alone. But he's also the coolest kind of celebrity who's super nice about it. Right, but like... I know, I know. Be fucking, like, if you love the man so much, be fucking kind and let him have his conversation and his coffee. I mean, they were cool enough to just get the autograph and leave. That's more than most people do. yeah, fair. You know, they weren't trying to, like, invite him to their party or something. I bet that happens all the time. Honestly, I think that'd be fun if I were famous. I'd go to random parties all the time. So this is when we get to meet Karen with a K. Yeah. Comes up to have Jonathan sign her copy of his book, which, when the fuck did he write a book? He's very good with time management. Apparently. Obviously, you know, he's like a regular Doogie Hauser, only way better than Doogie Hauser. Yeah. He's got his MD. He starred in The Matrix. Which we, we that comes up later. Yeah. But. I mean, we didn't create the cult of Jonathan Levinson for no fucking reason. Exactly. Jonathan Speed, Rex. Levinson be with you. Whoa. Whoa. So we close out the scene with an uh, important line from Jonathan where he says, if you really want it, you can make it happen. Yeah. And that's really the theme for the whole fucking episode. You got to really believe in the things that you want. Seriously. <laughs> I love that there was this billboard over his <laughs> right. shoulder. They really know how to glorify him. Not that it's difficult. Right. So as he's giving her this advice, Buffy's like revering him with great googly moogly doe eyes. And I'm like, whoa there, Buffy. Who can fucking blame her? You're with Riley. But seriously, who can blame her? So we cut down to the initiative where the troops are huddled around the situation table. Yep, we meet George Haviland. I don't know if he comes back at all, but Colonel George Haviland has yeah. apparently taken command of the initiative. No to idea, but Walsh. he's there to replace Walsh. Yep, yep. And uh, time for the big guns again. Uh, about fucking time. Fuck a doodle do. These assholes have been fucking running around with their heads stuck up their goddamn asses. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself, Rex. But no, they finally fucking call Jonathan in to consult. He goes over the fucking plans for Adam and finds out that, that Adam doesn't actually eat. 
He has an internal nuclear power source. Yeah, they could have like emailed him this like two months ago. <laughs> right. And but you know, then we wouldn't have a whole season. And uh, so he figures out really quickly what makes Adam tick. Of course, he figured it out. It's uranium two thirty five. But that's pretty much all we get from this scene. In uranium. I don't think so, Josh. Damn. <laughs> Maybe next time. So uranium, this uranium thing. I think it was great that they brought in Jonathan for this expository information, because otherwise it wouldn't have really been believable coming from any other character. They'd have probably had to have fucking Riley talk about this. And then you'd have been like, what the fuck does Riley know about nuclear reactors and bullshit? Yeah. Or Giles or something. And I'm like, that's uh, he's not that kind of a scholar. Best case scenario. They could have brought in some fucking has been unknown character that we've barely seen since like two seasons ago, which would just have killed the mood. Yeah. And the entire immersion of the fucking season. Exactly. Frankly. So basically the uranium means that he'll live forever and he needs to be eviscerated in order to kill him. Like not even decapitation will work. I kind of want to see a headless Adam running around killing things. I know, right? (laughs) I mean, this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me considering he's composed of a lot of biological material. But what the fuck do I know about the effects of uranium-235 on biological matter? I'm a high school chemistry dropout. And I've written a short song about that, Rex. Would you like to hear it? Oh, no. High school chemistry dropout. No graduation day for me. I'm just ripping that off from Greece. Moving along. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't really write a song. So real quick cut to outside Jonathan's house where apparently Karen with a K is a fucking stalker. Yeah, I thought you were cool, Karen with a K. I, you know, and she gets attacked by a demon and kind of deserves it. Serves you right. The, the whole stalking thing. <laughs> I mean, you can't really blame her. It's Jonathan, but still just fucking stop that shit. Yeah. It's creepy shit. It is. Almost as creepy as this monster thingy. Right? Did you notice it had these weird ass long arms? Like extra long arms? Dude, the arms were like the worst part. <laughs> I'm gonna so have fucking creepy. Fucking nightmares. But it's this it's this scabby Sasquatch kind of demon. With a big bushy beard. <laughs> a great big bushy beard. <laughs> And I'd like to take this moment to tell the world and give a completely free endorsement to a company and product that I have yet to even receive or try out. But I've reached a new era of adulthood as of yesterday. I purchased a subscription to Dr. Squatch Soap, which means I will receive a bar of soap a month of my choice of flavor, if you will. (laughs) Flavor. I won't be eating the soap much but uh how much did this cost you uh it's it's 18 dollars every three months six dollars a bar i mean that's that's about what i'm paying for the fucking like medicated soap shit that i have to use right so they have this strangely effective ad campaign that's shaming non-lumberjack men into buying soap that may or may not make you smell like a clean mountain man I mean, I don't know if there is such a thing, Rex. Uh, <laughs> what, a clean mountain man? Yeah. but I mean, You can be a mountain man and be clean. I think it's the same people that advertised the Squatty Potty. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, that is ridiculous and I love it. I'm buying it right now. Really what uh, sold me is that apparently there's chemicals in 
fully synthetic soap that are linked to depression. And so I just want to try huh. out some all-natural soap for a while and see if that makes me feel any better. Yeah, maybe. Because I've been a bit depressed um, for a minute. Well, I will be sure to let you know when you stink. Thank you. <laughs> right? So <laughs> so Karen with a K is being slightly murdered, but she's yeah. fine. She gets away. Zippity-doo-dah. <laughs> so we cut back to the initiative where Jonathan is giving Riley advice about the Riley Buffy situation. And hey, we get a hint at that fucking scene from the previous season, the gun trick that Jonathan does with the blindfold. Oh my God, that's so amazing. They haven't fucking done that in a while. <laughs> but it pisses me off that they fucking cut away. Seriously. Well, I mean, we know how it goes down. The guys are fine, frankly. Show it again? It's kind of boring, really. But show it again. Why not show it again? So, do we have a canonical reason why he's able to do this? I mean, obviously, normal people can't just aim with their eyes closed. Does he have he, sonar or something? He, he aims by sense of smell. Because he's just that good. Yeah. I I shouldn't have questioned it. Right? I'm kind of sorry. Jonathan's main point to Riley here about... Riley and Buffy is he thinks that Buffy is worried that Riley would be comparing sex with Faith Buffy and sex with Buffy, which is absolutely legitimate. Yeah, I think I mean, that's extremely insightful. It's the kind of insight that you're only going to get from Jonathan. Right. I, obviously, Faith is super fucking experienced in that area she's been fucking around oh she's a freak for, for who knows how long so freak yeah. in the sack but riley is the third person that buffy's ever slept with the first person buffy slept with turned evil and yeah lost his fucking soul by, a, by the by the fucking show buffy had sex two times before she started hooking up with riley I can definitely see that Buffy would have some fucking concerns. Yeah, that's problematic at best. Yeah, because she was never able to have sex with Angel again. Right. And she only had sex with Parker once. Exactly. Huh. I mean, she's already so self-conscious about how she's an inadequate slayer. How That obviously would fucking expand past her slayerness. I agree. So, as Jonathan's doing this blindfold apple trick, which is amazing, you should go back to that episode and watch it. Yeah. We can't do it justice. This kind of thing where you just need to watch the episode. But uh, we covered it pretty well, if I recall. Yeah, of course. So, his, his closing line on this scene is, people can't always see what's right in front of them. <laughs> it's like an allegory because he's blindfolded while he's shooting. It's like, because he can see what's... What he can't see right in front of him. Yeah. It's it's amazing. The fucking duality, the writing is yeah. airtight. Absolutely airtight. And they say young people don't learn anything in high school nowadays, but um, I've learned to be afraid. So what was the uh, story about that alligator? Then from there we cut to... Duh! Duh! Bronze. 40s bronze or the 30s uh more know, the, like the resort suits 20s big bands that yeah. would be that would be the 20s okay now i i don't know was that the 20s 30s or 40s give us a call here at 269-743-0783 <laughs> teach us some history thank you yes um 
Pretty decent jazz band, though. God, I love jazz. They were fun. Yeah. And uh, so we pan across the crowd and Willow and Tara are dancing cutely together. Yeah. They're not like going all out full coupley, but we can tell they oh, want to. Yeah, they, they feel it. You feel the energy <laughs> about them. Yeah. And then we almost a double date sort of circumstance. Nearly a triple date. Right. Xander and Anya are arguing about Anya moaning <laughs> Jonathan during sex. She denies all alligators. I mean, allegations. <laughs> it's the same thing, really. This is one of those few times where I think I think Xander's correct. Yeah, but I don't think Xander really has anything to feel intimidated about. Well, no. I mean, obviously, if Jonathan wanted to come over there and be like, hey, Anya, you're mine and not yours anymore, Xander's. There he would, could, obviously. There'd be no competition. But he's a better man than that. He's a better man than that. He absolutely is. He respects that boundary and the relationship that they have. Um, exactly. Yeah. The moment passes and lo and behold, this jazz band isn't just some random jazz band. It's fucking Jonathan's it's jazz Jonathan's band. It's Jonathan's jazz band. God damn it. Right? This fucking guy does everything. Fucking everything. I don't think they'd ever establish that in any other episode, but his list just keeps getting longer. Right? And he's like, hey guys, I'm going to play something from this album that I'm putting out later. So when he starts to sing Danny Strong. That sounds like a pretty strong name yeah exactly <laughs> but so danny strong did not actually sing in this scene big surprise really but you'll notice that the person singing does sound shockingly like jonathan i was fooled and i'm a singer right i thought it was him the the person who sang jonathan's parts was Brad Kane. And do you know what Brad Kane has done? No. He was the singing voice for fucking Aladdin. How did I know you were going to say that? That is weird. I was blown away. Because if you go back and watch Disney's Aladdin, the guy that was singing the parts for Aladdin sounded fairly like the voice. And like this dude is just apparently one of those talented people who can sing in other people's voices. Wow. That's right. neat. That's kind of a job I wish I could do. Huh. What do you do for a living? I sing in other people's voices. And it's an amazing voice, really. I think that right? was one of the most enjoyable parts of Aladdin was just Aladdin has just, he resonates. The way it resonates yeah. is just so satisfying. Anyway, um, Xander and Anya suddenly want to run off and bone as Jonathan <laughs> whips out his giant oh, trumpet penis and swings it around for all the oh. room to canoodle with their dirty, <laughs> dirty, canoodly eyes. Another fun fact is Danny Strong, when he is playing, hard air quotes, playing the trumpet, he is doing accurate fingerings for the trumpet, though. Nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's easier to do that with the trumpet than it is with uh, a woodwind instrument. With literally almost any other fucking instrument you blow in. Right. <laughs> well, because there's only six fingering positions, and then the rest of the range of the pitches you hit on any brass instrument are based on your mouth movements. Yes. And I know this because I don't know if you knew this about me, Josh, but in seventh grade... I played the trumpet. Oh, I didn't know that. I was not very good at it. <laughs> because I only played it in seventh grade. 
and my stepdad would not let me practice at home, so I never got <laughs> good. Yeah. But I was a bike rider, a hardcore bike rider at the time, so I fucking... So Did you practice the trumpet while you were riding your bike? No. But I could you would fucking have- hold a note for ridiculously long. Yeah, I was going to say, you would have lungs of steel if you did that. I was not that amazing, but I did at one point in time aspire to being in marching band, but I just, I never fucking gained any ground in playing the trumpet because I couldn't fucking practice at home. But my dad also played the trumpet and he was really fucking good at the trumpet. Nice. So to match your being able to hold a note out really long on the trumpet, one time I was in a production of Forever Plaid and I played the character Jinx. Uh, not that that's really relevant. But I don't there, know what any of this stuff is. In one of the songs where I had a solo, there was this very, very high, long, sustained note and I had free reign to hold it as long as I humanly possibly could. So you held it as long as you humanly possibly could every fucking time? While doing push-ups. Holy shit! I did approximately 20 push-ups, and I held it out for at least 16 measures. I was in good shape at one point in time. Oh my fucking god. (laughs) No, seriously, like, I can't imagine doing 20 push-ups without fucking breathing. Yeah, it was... It was fun, actually. (laughs) Like, I'm not gay, but (laughs) I think I would have to bang someone who could do that. Like, if I watched someone do that, I would be like, well, fuck, I have to sleep with that person now. (laughs) Honestly, I got shown up by the other three guys that were dancing around being goons behind me, I felt like. Either that or people were just too intimidated to talk to me about it. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, that is fucking, like, that's an impressive, like, physical feat. I thought so, but I feel like I didn't really get enough praise for it, but that's okay. I'm no Jonathan. Right. So anyway, at at seeing Jonathan play the fucking trumpet, obviously Anya's like, oh my god, and her and Xander leave. And I wrote down their lines here. She goes, Xander? He says, yeah. Let's go have sex now. Xander goes, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and they leave without like breaking eye contact from watching Jonathan on stage. Yeah. And Buffy and Riley are having a very sweet moment dancing and Riley tries to be like, "Baby, I need to tell you something." And she's like, "It doesn't matter, Riley. But I love you." And she's like, "I know." No, oh, she's like, "No talking, just dancing." Just dance now. <laughs> and then uh, Karen, Karen with, with a K. Karen with a K runs in. Shall we call her Kiki? No, There's, I like Karen with a K. Fine. Karen with a K runs in and she's drenched and she's bleeding a little bit. Got some scratches on her face. Jonathan stops the music like a fucking gentleman. Immediately fucking recognizes her. Because remembers, obviously. Yeah. Remembers her name and jumps off the stage I was a little disappointed that he didn't say Karen with a K when he's like, you're you're Karen, right? <laughs> I think that would have been funny. That would have been funny. Missed opportunity. I blame the writers. Buffy, you made some bad choices. You just might have to live with some consequences. This isn't over. If I have to, I'll go all the way to the mayor. Cut to Jonathan's mansion. 
Yeah, so the uh, fucking sergeant, I, police sergeant or I something. I thought it was chief of police or something. Sergeant, maybe. I don't know. Who, who the fuck knows? He it, personally it, came to check out the disturbance on Jonathan's property. It's shitty Sunnydale police. We all know how fucking shitty Sunnydale police are. But they know who to suck up to. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many fucking times has Jonathan done their fucking job? All of it. Exactly. Basically. <laughs> so uh, Karen describes this thing. And she one of the words she used was scabby. And I was like, ha! Because that was how I described it in the first scene where we saw it. But she draws out the symbol that was on its forehead, which, I mean, kudos for noticing that. Right. That I is, didn't fucking see it. That is not the first thing I would have noticed. No. I mean, I kind of saw it, but I, you know, I didn't take mental note of right. the full design. Well, I mean, in the fucking thing's trying to kill her. Yeah. It's like, I wouldn't be paying attention to what's on its fucking forehead. I'd be paying attention to its freaky long arms. And its teeth. Yeah. Yeah. It's great big bushy beard. <laughs> it doesn't have a beard. Did it have a beard? It had a beard. It had a great big bushy beard. <laughs> it had a beard. <laughs> I just went with that earlier because I love saying that. But no, it's, it, it has. Did. You're right. It has a beard. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> so she draws out the symbol, and Jonathan recognizes it immediately. Oh, of course. And thankfully, it's. It's nothing. Not really a problem. Yeah. And he reassures Buffy and Riley that they don't need to patrol for it, and he'll take care of it himself. There's He has kind of like a little tick here. Right. And I don't know, maybe he had a scratch on his back, or he had some gas or something. I mean, nobody's perfect. Right. But Buffy is like, hmm, hmm, like scrutinizing the shit out of him. Yeah, so Jonathan's going to fucking deal with it. It's not a problem. Yeah. Why the fuck did they even have the damn thing in the episode if it's not a problem? I think that's dumb. That's poor writing. They're just trying to fill time. Some kind of a maroon barracuda. Right? Shit, we haven't had one of those in a while. Or burgundy barracuda, my bad. Yeah. A maroon mollusk? Uh, Isn't a mollusk like a, like a clam or something? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that's not really a fish. It's got to be a fish. It lives in the ocean. <laughs> That's a pretty low standard, Rex. Crimson calamari. That's <laughs> not a fish either, but I don't care. I like, oh, the, I right. like the phrasing. Hey, you know, I have a whole list. Let me pull this up. <laughs> I think we used crimson a while back. Yeah. Crimson carp. We've got red herring, pink salmon, burgundy barracuda, maroon anglerfish, fuchsia trout, rose halibut, cherry bluegill, crimson catfish... Um, and then we've got Scarlet and Ruby that we have not attributed a fish to. Do you, do you want to, shall uh, we think of a new fish? Ruby. Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. Scarlet shark. Scarlet. Uh, name a breed of shark. Scarlet hammerhead. Yeah, let's go with Scarlet hammerhead. Or a Scarlet swordfish. Ooh, even better. Yeah. Yeah. I think I we've like got. Alliteration. I think we've got a little bit of a, a Scarlet swordfish here. Yeah. Honestly, Rex. Yeah, Definitely. But it's obvious. Why? It's so fucking obvious. They they immediately, obviously, like, oh, it's not a problem. And it goes away. Whatever. And, yeah, Jonathan's going to handle it, but Buffy just can't not meddle, as we see in a moment. Yeah. No, from here, we cut to a random fucking, I guess, a library or something. I don't know. There was some books, bookshelves. Yeah. But there's a dead body. I thought it was, like, another mansion besides Jonathan's mansion, 
Yeah, it's like some sort of library or lab place or something. There's a dead body. It looked like kind of a lab coat. Yeah, Adam's found a place to hole up. Yeah. Oh, and boy, does Adam start fucking spouting bullshit evil guy nonsense in this scene. I really can't figure out what he's getting at this time, but apparently he would have the entire world believe. Now, I've been thinking about (laughs) gaslighting. This episode, because well, yeah, there there was talk about a monster that was at Jonathan's house, and Adam's like, I don't know what you mean. Oh, that's and, right. The vampire's like, there's this weird monster that's got everybody all stirred up. Uh, oh, Jonathan, he was there. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and Adam's like, who the hell is he? How the fuck has Adam not heard about who Jonathan is yet? Yeah, this isn't even funny. Actually, right? it's just kind of annoying me. This is bad writing. Yeah. And he, he's talking about how he's so unaffected because he's so aware of his, like, every molecule. What the fuck? But I, anyway, so he's like, oh, it's going to blow up in his face. Uh, these magics are unstable and blah, blah, blah. So he, he just wants to watch the world burn. He's just going to yeah. let this all happen. I mean... Let what happen. It's just an excuse for him to be lazy. Yeah. Are you a fucking millennial, Adam? What is going on? Obviously, the writers are just trying to hint that, oh, there's still this thing going on in the background. We don't fucking care. Yeah. If Jonathan sticks around the the whole rest of the season, which I'm pretty positive he does, it's not going to be a fucking problem. I mean, I thought he goes back to his spinoff. I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember, yeah. but like oh, we're 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 happy to have him in as much of the show exactly. as he wants to be back in. But yeah, I haven't seen either show in like fifteen ish years. So yeah. So then we cut back to Jonathan's house, and he's kind of having this like deep, somewhat introspective moment in the fireplace. We don't even know what the fuck he's thinking about. We learn later that something deeper is going on with this monster. Yeah. And we get a hint of that because we actually see this brand on Jonathan's back of the symbol that was on the monster's head. Yeah. Now, that's some fucking foreshadowing right, right. there. I I like where they're going with this. But he is, God, he is so broody looking into this fire. <laughs> it's, I didn't think it, I didn't think you could be broody and bondy all at the same time. God. Right. Damn it, <laughs> Buffy! Don't you see how bondy I am? Well, she's not there to watch you, right? So I don't know but how you know she, who is there. I don't know how she could see how bondy you are. I mean, she does see it enough, though. You know who is there? I don't know who is there. The twins. Oh, the twins! <laughs> yeah. So the the hot Swedish or Swiss or I don't know. They're some kind I, of. We haven't watched the spinoff series, so we don't know how he met them yet. But still. Obviously, he would have to be dating two, like, supermodel hot blonde twins. Which seems mildly incestuous, but uh, we we don't we don't kink shame here at Beer with Buffy. More importantly, we don't Jonathan shame here at Buffy. Uh, yeah, that's even more off limits, honestly. I'm actually a little mad at myself for having nearly right. gone there. <sighs> that was a good robe. I want that robe. Right? Man. <laughs> <laughs> cut to outside on campus i think where willow buffy and tara are talking about jonathan obviously 
Yep, they're all chatty skadoodles about the the stuff or stuff for Reno. Yeah, and we get a little bit of a recap of some of the stuff that we already know about uh the the brainless monster thingy and Buffy is a bit confustled at right. uh Jonathan having seemed uh, what she interprets to have been fear right when he saw the symbol which yeah, is sure Jonathan's afraid bullshit it's, it's, Jonathan's it's afraid. fucking impossible entirely because he's Jonathan duh and anyway they they reach a fork in the road and Willow and Tara are like okay well Tara's like so it's, it's this is where I leave off but and- before that though we get a little bit of a tidbit of previous stuff where they mentioned the class protector award that Jonathan got very sweet for everyone to make that for him. Yeah. Fucking kudos on Buffy for being the one to present that to him. And yeah. who else better to do it? You know, I mean, she's she's a distant second to his skill set, but everyone needs somebody to look up to. And she still clearly holds on to that yeah. moment. It was a very important moment in her life. So, yeah, then we get to the fork in the road moment where Tara has to part ways. And man, I tell you, this was a moment where had it been anyone else, I'd expected them to kiss. Dude, they were having such a hard time not making out in front of Buffy. Right? Ooh, it hurt. It makes me wonder, have they actually kissed each other yet? Uh, you know, I'm real. They would have to save that for the screen. Right? I don't think. I can't imagine. I don't think it has happened yet. I think we're super close to it, though. I'm voting next episode. That's going to happen. Now that I think of it, I can't recall any time actually seeing these two kiss on camera. Oh, yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, it happens. It absolutely happens. (laughs) And, uh,. But yeah, they have they have a kiss goodbye moment without a kiss. And, right. Oh, you can feel it. Like, how the fuck does Buffy not go, hey, Willow, what's up with that? So you uh, <laughs> you hitting that? How is it? Because you could cut that sexual tension with a knife. Mm-hmm. You going to hit that puffin muffin? Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Want to see some boobies? <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't know that josh is currently referencing a zay frank video called the mating dance of the puffin first off if you don't watch zay frank videos on youtube the series is called true facts yeah true facts he also does the human tests god he is so fucking hilarious the human tests the human tests make you want to like gouge your heart out with a spoon <laughs> it cuts deep I don't know if I've showed you those. I haven't seen those. But yeah, I'm going to have to show you those there. Anyway. Intense. Yeah, go watch that. And then you see some boobies. <laughs> some blue-footed boobies. <laughs> <laughs> don't. You're ruining the punchline, Rex. God. We leave the scene with Buffy expressing that she's very happy about things with Riley. Because obviously they both took Jonathan's advice. They worked their shit out. Yeah, but she's she's feeling great about Riley now. Woo. Yeah, glad we worked through that. And you're what? Shocked and disappointed? I'm evil. You should know better. You should know better than attempt to fake the face of the world. That was pathetic. You should know better. You should know better than attempt to fake the face of the world. There's a lot more with that. A fantastic day. Birds singing. Squirrels making lots of rotten little squirrels. Okay, so we cut to the dorm. Yeah, we cut to the commons of, yeah. of the dorm rooms. And uh-oh, handheld camera, empty hall. Tara by herself, high-pitched, sustained, dissonant chord, 
It's a monster. Right. Oh, look, there it is. Jump scare out of the doors. Yeah. Um, holy shit. Terra casts obscuring mist or some shit at this fucking monster. Right? That was badass. Right. She kept her wits the fuck about her. Yeah, and she gets it it mauls on her a little bit, but she manages to run away. Just a little bit. Yeah, just just a little bit. Just enough. Um you know, enough. it's it's good for the metabolism. <laughs> you gotta get you gotta get that adrenaline going. Yeah. You're never going to build that cardiovascular health unless you have that adrenaline pumping. And the immune system. Yeah, exactly. You get a little bit of monster saliva <laughs> going in there, too. Shit, son. Uh, but she manages to get away, and she hides in a janitor's closet. Mm-hmm. And we cut to the next day in Tara's room, where Buffy shows up. Willow's already there. Uh, we learn that Tara was found only an hour ago in a janitor's closet. She yeah. She was there all fucking night. She is terrified out of her goddamn mind well that's fucking traumatizing i mean you saw its arms didn't you yeah they gave us a much better shot of its arms in that scene yeah. and, and it's great big bushy beard it's the stuff of nightmares it really is good and god like holy shit jonathan is wrong what the fuck <laughs> how the fuck is this possible wait how is how is jonathan wrong well, he said it was harmless oh I mean, it could There's be like... There's some freaky shit going on here if he's wrong. Yeah, it could be like a different monster. I There, there could have been two. We haven't proved otherwise yet. Right, but it's freaky. It, the fact that he's possibly wrong is freaky enough as it is. That's some psychological thriller shit right there. Because exactly. you're right, that's actually the most harrowing part. Tara describes the thing that Karen with a K saw. Buffy draws the symbol on some paper and shows it to Tara, and it's definitely the right symbol. It's that same symbol. Dun, dun, dun. And cut to the street. Buffy uh, slightly brutally walks her way to Xander's house with a row of uh, Jonathan posters <laughs> on the building behind her. You know, it's like it's like he's always there with her. Yeah. It must be nice having a friend that famous. Right. And amazing. <laughs> I love how... I love how Anya answers the door. It's one of my quotes of the day. Yep, yeah, mine too, but go for it. Xander's not here, Buffy says. Oh. You're not going away. Why aren't you going away? I know, God. <laughs> the gift of that kind of bluntness and getting away with it <laughs> right. is just such a staggeringly I aspire to that. beautiful thing. I aspire to that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, Buffy saunters past uh, Xander's excellent collection right? of Jonathan paraphernalia. We, we didn't really get to see this at any point in previous to this, but holy shit, Xander's a fanboy. He really is. We get to see the fucking like, comic books and shit that they did about Jonathan. He's got some trading cards. Yeah. Anya's reading his book. Buffy gets over to Anya. She's like, oh, you're still here? <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> She's really trying to do this nice normal person thing, <laughs> and I love how I love how bad at it she is. <laughs> Buffy snatches the book away from her. She's like, "I was at the part where Jonathan invents the internet." It's a series of tubes, <laughs> you see. <laughs> I think the worst part was when Al Gore tried to steal that glory from Jonathan. <laughs> Fucking dick. So Buffy's having a moment. Buffy's like. Anya, he fights better than I do, and I'm the Slayer. The Slayer! That's supposed to mean something, right? 
And I'm, I mean, we're all kind of thinking to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, what yeah, the hell, sure. Buffy? It is supposed to mean something. Why aren't you better? Yeah, but it doesn't mean you get to compare yourself to Jonathan. So, um, and Anya keeps doing her trying to be nice thing, which I think is funnier than her being completely blunt at this point. She's like, oh, uh, buck up, you. <laughs> you kill the best. Go, you. Kill, kill. <laughs> okay, I, I actually really appreciate Buffy's response. Yeah. She's like, actually not needing validation right now, but thank you. Right. <laughs> she's really putting forth an effort. She, God, she sucks at it, but she's trying. Buffy picks Anya's very unamused brain about wishes and magic and alternate realities because that's what Anya used to do right. as a vengeance demon. Anybody who's seen Rick and Morty knows just how fucked up and infinite possibilities there are for the multiverse of possible realities. So right. uh, we've all fucking sat and jerked off about string theory and the multiverse. Not literally. Don't look at me like that. I, Why you got to take this to a sexy place, Rex? I, I'm just concerned for your well-being sometimes. Me too. <laughs> so Anya confirms her suspicions, kind of, sort of. She's like, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, you could have a world without shrimp or nothing but shrimp. <laughs> I love that this is her go-to. <laughs> she's got this thing about shrimp. I was surprised it wasn't about bunnies, but... She's like, you could make a freaky world where Jonathan's some kind of not perfect mouth breather if that's what's blowing up your skirt these days. Just don't ask me to live there. <laughs> I'm like, amen, sister. Yeah. Fuck no doodle do. <laughs> so <laughs> she's like, do I get my book back now? <laughs> the listless look on Buffy's face is she's like, here. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely priceless. Uh, so from here we cut to Giles's place where Buffy is spouting some fucking nonsense. It's it kind of starting to bother me. Yeah. So she, I fucking wrote down her line. It's too fucking absurd. I'm just saying, it doesn't make any sense. He starred in the Matrix, but he never left town. And how did he graduate med school? He's only 18 years old. Like I said, he's Doogie Howser, basically, right. only better. Well, it, it, Xander's the, response is effective time management. And fucking The Matrix could have been filmed anywhere. Why right. Why not Sunnydale? It's There's probably fuck, all sorts of fucking towns have tax breaks, especially in fucking California. Have oh. Tax breaks for fucking movie shooting. Seriously. And, and, a, and a, most of that shit was on a set anyway. Yeah, green there's screen. So much green screen in that movie. Huh. <sighs> Jonathan Speed. Levinson be with you. Thank you. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I oh, love man. that we're I love that we're keeping that going after what was that episode called? Jonathan Aid? Yeah. With the Kool-Aid man. Yeah. It's been like over a season now. Yeah. Oh, running gags. I love running gags, you guys. Excellent. <laughs> so he's got such a huge list of things he's done. He wrote a book. Obviously, we've seen that multiple times. The album. He's a better fighter than Buffy. He's uh, He endorses athletic shoes, which means he's probably, well, he's definitely a great fighter, which means he is a great athlete. Right. Um, oh, the basketball. Great basketball. Oh, my player. favorite part, though, is the Scooby gang points out the fucking audacity that Buffy has of starting this meeting without Jonathan. Yeah, normally I'm on Buffy's side, but sometimes she uh, 
<laughs> she oversteps her balance a little. She's spouting the, this bullshit absurdity that somehow, somehow, Jonathan has created some fucking alternate reality. Which, uh, this, this, this show's ahead of its time. Right. <laughs> That's some special shit, Buffy. Much to his delusion, Riley backs her up. He's he's playing the supportive boyfriend here. It's, it's just As he what, should. It's just I mean, what you do and what you have to do sometimes. And Jonathan kind of advised him to do so. Xander, for a change, is the voice of reason here. He's like, right? He's like, he crushed the bones of the master. He blew up a big snake made out of mayor. <laughs> That's a, I love that wording. And he coached the U.S. women's soccer team to a stunning World Cup victory. That we saw him doing those things. Trust your own eyes is basically what he's saying. Right. And that's okay. I mean, that's a difficult thing to do in Sunnydale sometimes. Yeah. But listen to your friends, you know. Buffy points out that Jonathan recognized the mark. And she, she tries to have Anya explain the multiverse thing. <laughs> that doesn't go over Which well. she's really good at. She's like, so say you really like shrimp a lot. <laughs> or you don't like shrimp at all. <laughs> I think the best part here was Giles's face. <laughs> as he looked legitimately riveted about the possibilities of either having way too much shrimp or none at all. Right. <laughs> I, I suspect Giles has some strong opinions about shrimp. Clearly. I don't know what those opinions are, but I think I want to. The <laughs> <laughs> so Buffy's like, stop. You're saying it wrong. <laughs> Big surprise that Anya's fucking explaining it wrong. Well, you explain it, Buffy. How do you explain crazy? But this is the moment where Buffy remembers about the swimsuit calendar that Jonathan did. And obviously Giles has a fucking copy of the swimsuit calendar. Obviously. I mean, it was a gift. I don't think it was a gift. I don't think it was a gift either. I think he bought it. Uh, I don't know. She didn't. She didn't remember something. She's trying to find evidence of this symbol being associated with Jonathan. Right, and she remembers seeing the fucking swimsuit calendar. Oh, okay. Right, and so they pulled the swimsuit calendar out, and there's a shot of Jonathan's back, or rather his shoulder, and it shows this fucking symbol on his shoulder. And he has a great explanation for that in just a moment because he yeah. walks in to them talking about him. That's always awkward. Right. But he handles it just fine because he's supposed to. That's who he is. He admits to having some history with this monster. And apparently this monster, when he is in the presence of it, it like messes with his head. Yeah, it's got like some sort of obfuscation orb around it or something. So he had apparently had the fucking mark branded on himself. He says tattooed, but branded is a better word. It's yeah. the clearly it, scar tissue. Yeah, it, it looks like a brand. So Buffy thinks she's calling his bluff and convinces him to go hunt the monster with her right, right now. And he's like, okay, <laughs> right. all right, let's do that, Buffy. He's obviously just kind of like, all right, I'll make you feel important. Uh, you'll you need to feel some some purpose in life yeah you know riley's not the only one that can be supportive here yes it's time to listen the good guys are always stalwarts and true the bad guys are easily distinguished by their pointy horns or black hats uh, we always defeat them and save the day no one ever dies and
So we cut to the cemetery. Spike shows up immediately. Right. We don't have enough time for your creepy small talk. I know, right? (laughs) Taking the little sidekick out for a walk, are we? (laughs) Buffy, classic, completely witty response is like, shut up, Spike. (laughs) Ooh, ooh, semi-harsh language from Betty. (laughs) You're feisty when the big guy's standing beside you. And then it gets like super creepy. He's like all up in her grill and he's like, someday, sweet slayer. I would love to take you on. See you face the evil alone for once. I think this directly stems from the moment that Spike had with Faith in the previous episode. Because he doesn't know that it was Faith. Yeah, you're right. Oh, I wanted to mention that last episode. I was really upset that while canonically we did have a Faith-Spike interaction, it wasn't with Eliza Dushku as Faith. Right. And that's what I really wanted to see. Yeah. So we kind of got what we wanted, but not really. Exactly. Ah. It was yeah. still very satisfying. It was a great scene. Ride you at a gallop. <laughs> <laughs> and I popped like warm champagne. <laughs> yes, sir. If you need, you better believe it. But no, Jonathan has no fucking time for his creepy small talk. Zero. Buffy finds some confidence that we didn't really know she had. And she starts trying to get information out of Spike, even though Jonathan's like, you're not going to get any out of him. But she thinks of an angle that, for some reason, Jonathan... I Okay. I don't buy that Jonathan didn't think of this. (laughs) I do buy that he allowed the situation to play out because he can see that she's lacking some confidence and she needs this little ego boost. I... Exactly. He was that's what I was gonna say. He was playing the whole situation from the get-go. Exactly. Her angle is brilliant because obviously Jonathan has an in with all the fucking butchers that sell blood, and one fucking word from him and Spike is up shit fucking creek. Yeah, seriously. Um <laughs> I loved this moment. She shoves him against the wall and he's like, Hey, what what are you doing? you're not supposed to do that. Because <laughs> she's never really manhandled him before. She's always no. kind of just shaking her little slayer booties. Yeah. And you know, until Daddy Jonathan comes along to it, handle it. It's kind of nice watching her kind of grow outside of that shadow yeah, for and, once. Well, but it's it's really nice that Jonathan's finally giving her the space and room that she needs to grow like that. Right. It's 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 magnanimous. It's magnanimous of him. We both thought of that word at the same time. That's awesome. And so she extorts information in exchange for not fucking up his blood supply. Yeah. So Spike's like, oh, shit, you actually have me over a barrel on that one. And uh, (laughs) he tells them about this cave that's recently been vacated, but he doesn't know by what. Right. Because some vamps got kicked out. So they head out to look for that cave. And then we cut back to Giles's place. They're researching spells. (laughs) And uh, Riley's like, these these spells really work? I mean, can you really turn your enemies inside out or learn to excrete gold coins? <laughs> Anya's response, one of my quotes of the day. Yes. That one's not so much fun. Implying she's tried it. No, she's inflicted it upon somebody. Oh. Like, think okay. about it. That sounds so awful. You know, that uh, that kind of sort of happened in one of the Leprechaun movies. <laughs> That's an image I'll never get out of my head. Right. He like teleports the pot of gold into a dude's stomach. Yeah. And then cuts his stomach open oh. and takes it. 
I very distinctly remember that fucking scene. It was a great moment of, really of is. cinema history. <laughs> anyway, I don't, I don't think Anya would be such a naysayer if she had student loan debt, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I would shit out gold coins all day if I could. <laughs> Uncomfortable or not, it's still gold. <laughs> That's fucking more money than I'm making hourly. <laughs> shit. Willow's point here is that it's like... Spells take concentration and and will. And Xander trying to back her up. <laughs> Xander is like holding a book and he says, Right, you can't just go Libram incendiaire and expect and whoosh, the fucking book catches on fire. <laughs> he slams it closed. Xander, don't speak Latin in front of the books. <laughs> he says it with the perfect tone of like, God damn it, boy, I've told you this a thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> What have I told you about speaking Latin in front of the books? Never in the house. Yeah. Also, Xander, it's just tacky. You don't taunt the fear demon. You don't speak Latin in front of the books. How many times do we have to go over these very simple rules? <laughs> Enough, apparently. Right. Anyway, they start hypothesizing that Jonathan cast an augmentation spell, which created an equal force of evil to balance the universe out or some shit. Right. And apparently they claim there's some sort of like paragon spell that he has cast because Willow had found the fucking symbol in a book. Like he's not already the paragon of virtue. Why would right. he even need to do that? It's weird and absurd. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's obviously just continuing the whole Scarlet Swordfish angle. I bullshit. think... Um, this can probably canonically be attributed to Adam's gaslighting. Somehow, maybe it hasn't. We haven't seen how he's doing it in this episode, but my prediction is that we're going to find out in later episodes that he has leaked his gaslighting into the Scooby Gang somehow. Okay, that can make some sense. And this spell is supposed to be the reason that Jonathan is not who he really is. I think that's as good a reason as any. So apparently, though, uh, the book explains that if the demon gets killed, the spell is broken. Yeah. For some reason, they think that Buffy's going to kill the demon and break the spell. But, like, that's going to fucking happen. They're going to kill the demon. Everything's going to be fucking fine. Jonathan will save the goddamn day. Right. Or he'll let Buffy... Appear to have saved the day and learned an important lesson. Something like that. Well, yeah. That's, while, as I was watching it, that's what I felt like was about to happen. Is It's like a... Training wheels. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not really what I was going for. Uh, pilgrimage. It's like a pilgrimage. Okay. Yeah. So we cut to the cave where <laughs> apparently in this cave there's a very large deep dark hole. A crevasse, if you will. Yes. Or crevice. I think it's pronounced crevice. I prefer to pronounce it crevasse. Yeah. Sometimes I like wearing a crevasse instead of a tie. Sometimes I eat a crevasse for breakfast while I'm in France. <laughs> that is how that works. I, I don't I don't think that's Oh, I don't think so, Tim. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the demon attacks and they fight it. Buffy's line here, I kind of enjoyed. When they see the crevasse, she's like, wow, <laughs> fall down there and be dead for a while. <laughs> Very succinct. Right. Well said. <laughs> and Jonathan slowly grabs Buffy's wrist and 
<laughs> they kind of played this weird evil music because I think it was meant to imply that Buffy thought that he was going to throw her into the crevice. Right. Crevasse. Sorry. But obviously he pulls her back because yeah. he's not evil or doing evil things. What the fuck is up with Jonathan here barely getting into the fight? Right? They get flanked by the monster. Blackout. Commercial break. We'll get back to that in a moment. Cut back to Giles's house. Anya and Willow are kind of staring into the fucking middle distance. They're having trouble wrapping their heads around Buffy being right. I can hardly blame them. <laughs> Willow says, Buffy was right? Anya responds with, doesn't sound very likely, does it? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? So they all hypothesize as to what will happen if Buffy can or cannot defeat the monster. But after all, uh, she's never handled anything like this before. Right. Yeah. You know, she's kind of a kind of your grade B slayer. Yeah. <laughs> really. So we cut back to the cave. Where Jonathan fucking pulls a stalagmite off the goddamn ground and starts beating the fucking demon with it. That's, did you notice that? I did, knew he was hitting it with something. I didn't notice it was a stalagmite. Yeah, he just fucking pulled it right off the goddamn ground, That's man. fantastic. Yeah, he, I, he's getting hit with this, like, confusion bubble thing. Yeah, the, waves. The, the kryptonite effect, as Xander put it. Yeah, and uh, so he's like, Buffy, you need to handle it. You're capable or something. And then uh, so she fights it for a bit and she's really finding herself here. Yeah. Like Jonathan's really pulling out the best of Buffy here. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> of course, Jonathan sends it home when he careens into the monster and he's about to take one for the team and kill himself, which, which frankly, I was like, I know they can't do that. He's he's the star of the fucking yeah. show. And uh, but Buffy, being the fantastic sidekick that she is, catches his foot and keeps him from falling into the crevice crevasse <laughs> as the monster falls to its bloody, gory, blunt force trauma death. Remember, folks, the falling doesn't kill you. It's the sudden stop at the it's, end. It's the landing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely the landing. <laughs> And this scene went down exactly like that one scene with Riley and his stupid little bat gadget should have gone down. <laughs> right. Where they're in the school and you got the yeah. land squid demons and the, the, the hell <laughs> mouth. go down the hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, demon go down the hole. Duh. Yeah. This should be demon go down the hole too. Right. Or not. It, it wasn't technically a demon and I guess. so the demon dies and the spell is broken yeah the spell is broken what spell the spell all right so we've had a really hard time fucking with you guys <laughs> this whole fucking episode oh my god if we you, had to cut out so many moments where we couldn't even fucking talk if you made it this far i congratulate you for not you know mailing us <laughs> Some sort of pathogen. Right. You know what? <laughs> you, my friend, are a true Beer with Buffy fan. You get a gold fucking star. <laughs> so now everything goes back to actual normal. Oh my god, that's fun. Oh, that was harsh. <laughs> but it was fun. Uh, you guys have no idea how much fun we just had <laughs> fucking with you. For like nearly a solid two hours. I don't know what it's going to get cut down to, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> My face hurts. From what... <laughs> 
so many times I had to fucking pull away from the mic to just keep from laughing so much. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, so we cut to outside campus. They're talking about the situation and how the spell had affected them and all this. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. I got, I got a line here from Xander where he says, I'll always remember the way he made me feel about me. Valued and respected. Sort of tingly. <laughs> and now I'm just empty. And Buffy's like, yes, clearly Xander is the chief victim of this ordeal. Right. Something of the like. And, and Tara's like, hey. Well, you know, after, <laughs> after Tara. So <laughs> Buffy looks over and sees Jonathan off in the distance and back to his old, like, dorky, my clothes don't quite fit me right self. Yeah. As she's walking over to him, did you hear what they said in the background? Riley said, did everyone else feel way too tall? (laughs) (laughs) And then as Buffy's walking away, Xander and Willow are like, I really liked his clothes. They were really cool. And I don't understand how he got the house and everything. But the the line that really did me in was Anya. And who really did star in The Matrix? I'm like, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) How do you not remember that? Right. Well, she wouldn't know, would she? I guess not. Yeah, she Maybe wasn't. Maybe she hasn't seen The Matrix. Wasn't really an avid moviegoer, probably, until not at all yet. Right. Having been a vengeance demon and all. Yeah. Until like a year ago. But here at Beer with Buffy, a.k.a. the cult of Keanu Reeves. Yes. Or the church of Keanu Reeves, what have you, whichever. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. I mean, you know, fill in the blanks. It's called context. <laughs> But yeah, Buffy goes over to talk to Jonathan and I mean, like, hey, Jonathan, why is everyone pissed at you? I wonder why. (laughs) Obviously, everyone is pissed at you, Jonathan. Yeah, Buffy makes a good point. She's like, Jonathan, you can't keep trying to make everything work out with some big gesture all at once. Things are complicated. They take time and work. Sage advice. Yeah, and Jonathan... Is like, hey, I don't really remember what we talked about, but that was the advice. I think that kind of advice that I gave you about Riley, things are complicated and they take work. And I believe in you guys. Yeah. We see one connecting genuine thread between Bond Jonathan and real Jonathan. And that's that he does care about Buffy's relationship with Riley and that he sees its importance to Buffy and its strength. Right. My favorite bit about this, though, is Jonathan mentions that the twins moved out of the house. So Jonathan legitimately owns that house. Yeah. How did that stay real? Right. That's weird. Like the signs changed back and everything. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Uh, Cut to Riley's where we get some smoochies. Lots of smoochies. Yeah. Good smoochies. These two always have the sexiest kisses. They're really good at it. Like I liked... Angel is a character better, but these two are way better at making out. They got good chemistry. They, they really do. Yeah. Buffy goes, I'm glad we talked this all out. <laughs> Riley responds, we haven't talked at all. <laughs> and as they're kissing some more, right before it goes to a black screen, Buffy moans, Jonathan. <laughs> Cut to credits. Well played, you sick fucks. (laughs) Gerarg. Gerarg. 
is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength. strength. Give, give, give me more! Nights, I shall walk in Hold on. You've got something in your eye. Well, Rex, how did you feel about that episode? Honestly, I thought the episode was boring. <laughs> yeah? I thought... Anytime you have a situation where uh, a character is like, it's the Superman syndrome and there's no fucking weakness here. The second half wasn't bad, but the first half is just, ugh. I I personally feel more comfortable about our episode (laughs) than the episode of Buffy. Well, the thing is, they weren't really trying to pitch him as the Superman character. If anything, they were lampooning it and making some... Fairly relevant commentary about the psychology of at least 90s youth. I okay, mean, I, yeah. I still find it extraordinarily relevant today because a lot of people have this narcissistic kind of, uh, you can be a rock star if you want to. You just have right. to want it bad enough and you deserve it because you're special. And why wouldn't you be? As as Jonathan's line was, is like, if you believe in it, you can do it. Yeah. And that's bullshit. That kind of life doesn't work that horse way. Horseshit rhetoric that has landed so many people in their 30s going like, wait, why isn't shit being handed to me anymore? Or at all. Right? Yeah. I, but I, I overall, I think I didn't like the episode. Okay. That's, and that's fair. Did so, you like the episode? I did like the episode. I didn't love the episode, but I loved several things that they did with the episode. And while I thought the climax and the wind down was simplified and yeah. uh, lackluster, I thought the buildup was ingenious. I could not stop laughing my ass off at all of the little things that they kept piling on <laughs> to Jonathan's history. It was hilarious to me. I can see that angle. I, it just didn't hit for me. All right. We have different senses of humor. Yeah, we do. That didn't stop us from coming together <laughs> to fuck with you all for an entire episode. Oh my god, was that fun. As if the whole Jonathan thing was actually Dude, canon. I, we've, we've recorded a lot of episodes now, but I don't think I've had as much fun recording an episode as I have today. I think we should be <laughs> impressed with ourselves, and you all should be too. Yes. Thank you uh, very what, much. What's your quote of the day? My quote of the day, Rex. So I'm going to give an honorable mention to Spike's line... I wasn't exactly pining for a noisy visit from Wonder Jonathan and his fluffy (laughs) battle kittens. Yeah, I like that too. But my actual quote of the day, plain and simple, Anya, you're not going away. Why aren't you going away? Because I have that feeling a lot with people. Boy, I'd love to just say it sometimes. You should. I I believe in you. I actually have before. Not verbatim, but yeah. So my quote of the day, I'm going to go with the Xander Giles interaction where Xander says, right, you can't just go Libram and Sindre and expect foof, book catches fire. Xander, don't speak Latin in front of the books. (laughs) All solely because of the delivery of like, there is no question in my mind. Giles has said this multiple times. (laughs) Xander, the books have very sensitive ears. <laughs> very sensitive ears. You, you see. And the, <laughs> with all the tiny, tiny babies. 
So yeah, this is this has been Beer with Buffy. As always, don't forget to find us on Facebook. I do want to shout out that our Facebook group has been kind of blowing up lately and we've gotten a lot of interactions with fans. We love that. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Beer with Buffy. Don't forget to review us on iTunes. It's the number one way that you can help us build our podcast. If you'd like to contribute to our show financially, you can find us on patreon.beerwithbuffy.com or you could also buy merchandise at store.beerwithbuffy.com. You can drop us a line through email, beerwithbuffy at gmail.com or as always, send us a voicemail at 269 763-0783. Did I get that right? You did. Yay! Thank you very much to Benjamin Alexander and Reggie Page for our lovely transition opening and closing musics. This has been Beer with Buffy. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. Have a good night. Man, we really fucked with him on the last ten minutes there. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, Jonathan's (laughs) the superior slayer. Yes. Instead of which you enslave yourself to this, this cult. You don't like the color? <laughs> you have a sacred birthright. You were chosen to destroy vampires, not to wave pom-poms at people. done why are we watching this